Chapter Twenty Seven of The Haunted Hangar by Arden Van Buren Powell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty Seven Sandy's Discovery. Although he was the central figure in an unusual situation, Sandy was more puzzled than enlightened by its surprising development. A foot race against a flying ship was novel enough, but the maneuver of the amphibian was still more strange. It was baffling to Sandy. Sandy gave up the race very quickly. Hearing the approach of an aircraft, he sought concealment under roadside trees, continuing his steady trot. His heart sank as he identified the amphibian making its swinging oval from water to land and around the fairway and back. I can't make it, Sandy slowed. It's all off. He knew that it was safe for him to leave his shelter. The fib was past him in its zooming return from the golf course. Now we'll never know what they found, or if they found anything in the swamp, he told himself dejectedly. Then his attention was fixed, and his mind became mystified. That's their crate, all righty, he muttered, but they're not landing on the estate. I suppose they've come to see that Jeff's plane was safe. Now they'll go on to Connecticut, and we are defeated. He came out onto the road, walking with bent head as soon as he had caught his breath again. For a moody few minutes, he considered the wisdom of rejoining his chums. No, he decided. When I don't join them, they'll come over to the estate. It might be a good idea to go on to the landing field, and see if the amphibian dropped off anything with a small parachute. He pursued his way without haste. While he had been divesting himself of his coat, Larry had urged the caretaker to go on to his duties. I'll go on, Sandy murmured more cheerfully. I'll have a clear half hour to myself. Maybe, without anybody talking and disturbing me, I might think out some answer to all the queer things that have happened. The failure of the amphibian to return to its home field he disposed of by deciding that its pilot meant to take something to some rendezvous in Connecticut, the one, no doubt, the hydroplane boat had made for. The thing that came into his mind and stuck there, offering neither explanations nor a solution, was the mystery of how that man had disappeared out of the hangar on their first visit. I'd like to find out how the ghost gets in and out again, he reflected. Deep in the problem, he looked up at a sound. To his surprise, astonishing him so much that he stopped in the middle of a stride, the lodgekeeper's gate of an estate he was passing opened suddenly, and Sandy found himself staring at the last person in the world he expected to meet. Facing him with a grin was Jeff. Hello, buddy the pilot said, without any show of dismay. Why, uh, hello, Jeff. On your way to solve that there spook business? I... Sandy made up his mind to see if he could startle Jeff into a change of expression and changed his stammering indecision into a cool retort. I met the estate caretaker in the village. He asked me to run on ahead and tell you and Mr. Whiteside. Sandy watched. 
he could not find a six b slotted bolt anywhere oh couldn't he jeff did not change a muscle of his face sorry he had all the trouble we got the fib engine going and i took whiteside off on a little private matter in that have you brought him back no set down in the little inlet yonder he waved toward the shoreline concealed beyond the estate shrubbery it was closer to my own creek it's stalled yonder in the golf course oh yes stalled sandy repressed a taunt and pretended to accept the false statement i hear larry's been getting instruction off that there tom larson jeff turned suddenly on sandy yes mr whiteside paid for it it would do no harm sandy thought to let jeff know that his fellow conspirator if that was mr whiteside's real standing was not playing fair when people who may be wicked turn against each other we learn a lot sandy decided he failed in his purpose tommy's a good pilot jeff admitted well i'll be on my way see you at the next air derby jeff grinned at his joke and walked on so did sandy while he hurried on pausing only to collect a weenie and roll for lunch larry and dick saw jeff approach across the green of the fairway and took cover he's inspecting that airplane i hope we didn't leave any clues whispered dick he's feeling the engine cowling and he wonders how the motor stays so warm larry retorted under his breath now he's looking around get down low dick well he's shaking his head now he's in the cockpit there he caught the spark on a compression stroke used his booster magneto there goes the engine and from the descent of jeff to give the ground careful inspection to the moment when he gave up his own baffling puzzle and took off the youthful amateur pilot reported to dick from a spy hole in the greenery i wonder if sandy knows jeff has come on to take his airplane off dick mused it's safe to go and see if mr whiteside is on the estate it will look as though we came out extra early besides i'm hungrier than little red riding hood's wolf come on larry led the way from the golf course as he spoke sandy long since safe at the hangar began to work out his puzzle somebody was in this hangar the day jeff made his pretended forced landing he told himself we saw him it wasn't a mistake we all saw him and that proves he wasn't just a trick of luck in the hangar more than that he deduced the man had vanished and yet after he was gone there had come that unexpected descent of the rolling door which had first made them think themselves trapped sandy argued and with good common sense that a ghost in broad sunny daylight was a silly way to account for the man he also felt that it was equally unjust to credit the drop of the door to gravity friction drums are not designed to allow the ropes on them to slip especially if there is no jolt or jar to shake them but the switches that control the motor for the drum are right out on the wall in plain sight he told himself moving over toward them since the rolling door was left wide open when the amphibian was taken out yes here they all are this one up for lifting the door 
and down to drop it and that switch was in the neutral off position when we were first here and it's in neutral now he tapped the metal with the rubber end of his fountain pen and then shook its vulcanite grip handle to see if jarring it caused any possible particles of wire or of metal to make a contact that's not the way it's done he decided he stood before the small switch panel considering the problem his eyes in that position were almost on a level with the pole pieces to which wires were joined to enable the switch metal when thrust between the flat pole contacts to make contact and complete the electrical circuit hmm. sandy emitted a long reflective exclamation i never saw double wires and twisted around each other at that he remarked under his breath no i'm not quite right the two wires aren't twisted around each other one wire is twined around the other he traced the wires down into the metal asbestos lined sheathing cable and was still not enlightened about the discovery it was not necessary to have two wires one was heavy enough for the hundred and ten volt current that came in from the mains that wire being twined around the other makes me think it was added after the first one was put in he declared i wish i could trace it he added he tried sandy when he turned around ten minutes later knew all that the inside of the haunted hangar could reveal another five minutes concentrated close to a certain spot on the outside of the building gave him his final clue but instead of waiting to tell his chums his great discovery instead of keeping vigil sandy went away from there as fast as he could walk all afternoon he was as busy as a boy trying to keep ten tops spinning End of chapter twenty seven